as we talk through and in particular you know these are the next steps with talking about strategy so this is what you're talking about here with this book on a day stuff is exactly the sort of stuff that we might that we need to sort of get into yeah. really yeah um, yeah and start to appreciate what we're what what this is actually all about um so that sort of issue is kind of i, I think that's really good sort of stuff to be starting to to unpick a bit yeah so do you mind if we just talk a bit about that first maybe about what yeah. that actually is as a potential you know thing you're you're thinking about with it yeah yeah that sounds good um should we start with that as a kind of a starter to kind of talk about strategy and yeah yeah it sounds like a good place so if so if we if you talk about that then as book on the day so you just described there a kind of a whole series of kind of you know, like events conversations that have happened yeah um so you've got one that happened with zara and with you and nina one with the reception um, manager and you you're kind of making what you've described there i think as a decision about and what feels safe or not do you think we can maybe just unpick that a little bit as to what does that mean yeah yeah so um so i i think if it hadn't been the friday the afternoon of the friday before christmas i think there wouldn't have been the knee-jerk reaction to it yeah i think if lucy had been around again we'd have that kind of you know that's her area of expertise that's her day in yeah. day out it's not necessarily mine or nina's but also we kind of got the the kind of that kind of soft data from the reception manager which i couldn't 100 percent be sure was kind of included in the in the kind of discussions that previously happened um yeah. so it definitely was a kind of if it hadn't have happened at that time we wouldn't have made those decisions so i think so- just to unpick that a little bit, I'm just going to take that back a step. Yeah. So you've just said again a few things there. I just want to unpick. Yeah. So you said there Lucy was the um, expert in it. Yeah. yeah. So what what is that thing that she that she is the expert of that creates the thing that you're trying to replicate? Yeah, I, I think in terms of Lucy would have had that understanding of what we've always done the week, um, the week so, after Christmas, which Tempo will help us with moving yeah, forward. So, so I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. So what is it then that Lucy knows that happens the week after Christmas? That potentially I would have assumed you'd have increased book on days. So that's what we're getting to then. So what is it then that, that so what, it happens to book on days the week after Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what what is that thing? I would have seen there's more of them. So the question is how many more? Yeah. And for what reason? Yeah, so the how many more I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure what we've done previously, but I'd imagine we'd need a, a kind of a margin, um, like we would do after a PLS day perhaps so, so that margin though what's that based upon a margin on what 
on uh, staff sickness, I suppose, because um, we always get it around Christmas, increased demand. And actually, the things that I'm saying, it's not necessarily perhaps the truth, because that's not my specialist subject. So, who, so whose specialist subject is it? Um, previously, it would have been Lucy's. <laughs> but so, but what is her specialist subject? Um, knowing the supply and demand. So does she so what does she base that upon? Um I would have assumed it would have been phone stats, the duty rotor, um, staff sickness previously, all the like data. I'm not sure I've seen that. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm you know, if I'm if I look at what her spreadsheets have been. Yeah, yeah. All I've seen in the spreadsheets is a static count. Yeah. Okay. Which is the same not... for each day of the week. Yeah. For every yeah. week of the year. Yeah. Now I might get proven wrong on that, but that's what I've seen when I've been looking at. So I'm thinking that perhaps it might be that what you're presuming is happening doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of feel that that's the same thing that we've had in our practice as well, yeah. which is there's a kind of pr a presumption that somebody is doing something miraculous. Yeah. That somebody is actually, you know, logically putting in a rule set that says something that, that actually includes an approximation. I think you touched on that then, which is about, well, how much sick does normally happen on that week? Yeah, yeah. So what 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 margin are we including within our capacity to acknowledge sickness? And also what margin are we including to include what I think you just described there was demand? Yeah. So what demand change do we see happening um in the week between Christmas and New Year? in the week after Christmas and New Year and what difference does that make depending on which day of the week that Christmas is sitting because this mm -hmm. year isn't the same as last year no, Christmas no. and Christmas Day and Boxing Day so who remembers the last time that Christmas and, New and Boxing Day fought, fell on this day so that would have been seven years ago yeah yeah so do we know that what what the demand and relationship to demand on any given day of the week is because we've remembered what happened seven years ago. Mm. And is Charter the same organisation as it was seven years ago? Yeah. Mm, <laughs> not quite not. sure, really. <laughs> but the calculation that's been used is the same as seven years ago. Yeah. I think I got told, now I'm, I'm, I, I, I think I got told that this calculation has been used for 20 years. Um. <laughs> possibly i think it may have been it may have been tweaked but i think they have been doing the same piece of work so and six, meeting around it 6.2 percent of the population yeah. um split as i've split across the week of 30 percent on a month well i've got i'm doing it off the top of my head now 30 yeah, yeah, on a monday 25 yeah. on a yeah. so that split is the same model i think nina that was that said it's been 20 years they've been using that for 
So that, so when I was speaking to Lucy about what she was doing, um, sort of last year and trying to unpick what she was doing, and I said, so what do you do in the week between Christmas and New Year? And she said, well, we do the same calculation. Mm. And I said, but but how do you do that? Because there's not enough people here to do that. Yeah. And she said, oh, oh, yeah, well, it just happens. I said, well, so what happens? Um, and I think what happens is there's this, there's this, this kind of an assumption, I think, that there's this whole kind of computation that's going on that somehow is miraculously coming up with some sort of thing that is creating the target um, that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm interested in the other point which you said there, which was what's the soft data that you referred to that the reception manager is bringing to the table? It was kind of... <sighs> From memory, I think it was to do with, you know, uh, I think AMPs, for example, can't see people of under a certain age or mental health. And if we don't have a mental health practitioner, then suddenly if all our book on days is with the AMPs, then you've got very little GP appointments to book, um, you know, those certain types of appointments into. Um, and I think, yeah, if. I, I don't think we would have had that knee jerk. Let's just shove in some extra book on days for now, just so that they're not all booked by the time we get back after Christmas. I don't think that would have happened if yeah. it hadn't happened when it and it did. And and I think I think we're definitely happy to kind of shift the model moving forward. And there's no kind of um, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, we're kind so, of going to go with the figures we've got. I think it was just that kind of sitting down as a wider team and just yeah. kind of checking it which I don't think probably happened so far with the meetings I you know I think they've kind of just been I think as a whole we've got quite a big management team now and we all need to know the decisions and we all have slightly different roles and things kind of knock on so I know from next week the plan is after our management team to have like a more of a tempo meeting especially as we're moving things forward with the strategic side of things and trying to get everyone involved just so that when little things come up like I know how when Zara was coming about the NHS app and things like that and actually some changes she made actually had an effect on reception booking but she yeah. wouldn't have known that and it's yeah. kind of we had a wide discussion and get everyone involved and yeah I think hopefully things will run smoother going forward yeah because I think this is what we're trying to do here is is uh, do a bit of a thought exercise in what is it that we're actually trying to do. Yeah. And yeah. and and actually get down to the nitty gritty, really, of of what we want to achieve and why do we want to achieve it? Yeah. You know, so what's the why that sits behind this um, and what what is the problem that we're currently experiencing? And I think what you described there is a very common scenario that I've, you know, very much recognised within our practice as well, which is a knee-jerk feeling reaction to something because you don't have the data to understand yeah. it. Yeah, 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 um, 100%. So it, it's, a, it's a, exactly what you said, you know, whether it's soft data or whether we call it feelings or soft data, it's something doesn't feel quite right. And what that actually refers to is people's experience of an event in the past mm. and so there's a and you just referred there to post what you, you could call it pls we call it PLT, yeah, yeah i think yeah so yeah, yeah. so so post so there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a feeling 
that is there has been a bad experience in the past and that bad experience maybe happened at some point which may have been post pls or something else or something else and that is what that soft data if you like is a bit referring to jay i'm just going to say is there a um a loss of confidence in the model um that is being proposed or designed that arises from not having good sight of the data and so that leads to um individuals or departments uh, teams building in trying to wanting to build in contingency um because there's a there's a there's a generally a lack of confidence in whether that model is going to work or not so everyone's trying to pad out or people are trying to pad out the output that they're doing yeah i i think i think probably from the reception manager's point of view yes there could there could be a worry because she's coming at it from a point of what appointments are there on the day for her team to offer but i think probably in this scenario it it was probably more a communications thing across across our team because i wasn't really aware of what the plan was the uh, the reception manager wasn't nina and me kind of we just had to make that quick decision but actually mm. if i'd been involved from the beginning and knew the background of it and kind of i would be like mm. yes let's go for it so I, I don't think it's necessarily that we're not happy with the proposed method and everyone wants it to be easier to be a book on days and no one wants to be taking up time faffing around tweaking and changing and things like that i think it was just the fact that it was the knowledge of everybody of what the data is and what the plan was and whether it was actually an error or whether it had been approved. Do you know what I mean? It was more yeah, yeah. of that kind of the blind leading the blind a little bit, which has been slightly the case when Lucy's been off because all the knowledge, as you're aware, is is kind of held like like tightly in one spot. Whereas actually it's, that's not how it's going to work moving forward and that's not how it should work, especially for an organisation of this size. So yeah. I don't think it's that we're not happy with the plan at all. It was it was just kind of we all need to understand it, I think. Mm. I think that's a really key part there, what you've just described, which is that ability to be able to communicate between a team of people on a shared plan. Yeah. And creating the plan together. Yeah, yeah. So that everybody has sight of it. Yeah. And everybody can understand it. And therefore, if you know what the plan is, when the plan goes wrong, at least you've all agreed on the plan. Yeah. And yeah. then when the plan goes wrong, you can change the plan. Yeah. And you've got buy in then from everybody exactly. and everybody understands why we're doing it. The reception manager's not thinking it's just an error. My team are going to have a nightmare. What happens when some, you know, and there was that kind of panic. But I think. I think if moving forward we can manage it um, internally in the right way yeah. and make everyone's life like we just need to get the buy-in and we just need to make sure we all know what we're all doing really um yeah so i think this is all about that plan yeah yeah and so i think this is so what i think what you're talking about when you said it's all contained in lucy's head um that's she has been doing stuff intuitively that she's developed over years yeah that hasn't is never been written down and it's nowhere no um and, and what that is is a variation on the plan 
So the plan is 6.2% of the population by, and that's a, that's the plan. And that, mm-hmm. and and the problem is that isn't the plan, because that's the that's the master plan, which is your normal week master plan. But then there's a variation on that. And there's a variation on that for a Christmas week. And there's a variation on that for a normal week. And there's a variation on that for a bank holiday week. And there's a variation on that for a half term week. The only person that had any inclination about somebody having to do something and and also why it's quite stressful being in that role, because that was being held by Mm. one person and being held accountable for it um, without a a sharing of it. Um, but also there's something about because that plan isn't a written plan, um, there's no way of knowing whether that plan was right or not. Yeah. So the principle is 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 about building a plan. And actually, the best time to build that plan is in the week that you've just passed this year for next year. Yeah. So rather than building a plan, you know, for half term now we should really be thinking about building a plan for Christmas and post Christmas week when we've got the, the soft data and the data that's fresh in our heads for what's gone on. Yeah. And the best way to do that is actually look at what you've just done. Um, which I, I kind of like to think is a bit like budget setting, you know, whenever you're doing financial budgeting, the way in which you always do a financial budget is where you see what you did last year and then you use that as a basis and you say, well, was that all right or not? And you make some you make some adjustments to it. So in effect, what you're really doing is you're just taking it a, a budgetary principle and applying that. And and where we're applying this is actually what we term, it's, it's actually demand and capacity management. So that's what this is. Yeah. That's what we're talking about is effective demand and capacity management. And the bit that Lucy has been doing has been capacity management, which is about how many appointments you're actually providing um, on what day of the week in which week of the year. The bit I think that the soft data you're talking about from the receptionist is the demand data. Yeah. So she's actually bringing the demand information. And like you've said, really, that uh, currently that's potentially just soft data. So what we need to do is we need to get better at acknowledging what that data should be and understanding about what when things aren't matching. Now, in the past, the system did work because in the past you had a duty session that absorbed all of the excess capacity. Yeah. So there was there was a barometer that was working that told you what your total demand was and that was working for a while now i think that hasn't worked for and i forget how long that i heard the story for but i think it's been at least a couple of years or something that 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 no longer functioned in the way that it was kind of set out to function yeah and i I think what happened is we always one thing that lucy monitored was kind of when how far ahead was the next non-book on day appointments so like how far ahead were you booking for a routine and it was always kind of like two or three days and that was the kind of target and then it yeah. kind of as capacity jumped up and as it has for all practices that suddenly then shifted to a lot longer and then that kind of tips and tilts your, your you know your daily 
capacity. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's probably been a few years now, to be honest. And I think what you've just described there is two different queues. It's two different demand and capacity. Yeah. And they, they are interlinking, but they are separate. Yeah. Because you've got book in advance and book on the day. Yeah. Now, the issue is, is that the the worse that your book in advance becomes, the more pressure it puts on your yeah. book on the day. Yeah, yeah. Because people aren't prepared to wait as long as it takes to get to that point. Yeah. And then you get in this negative spiral then of then that you're not able to provide the book in advance so that you have to put them in book on the day. So the book on the day goes up and then the book on the day becomes too big. And then the duty. Yeah. Just yeah. And I think that's what we're, you know, want to try and unpick is really a, a proper, uh, a better understanding of demand and capacity. Yeah. And that is about understanding those different pockets. And what, what the term is for that is, is, is the cues. And it's the cues of what is book in advance and what's book on the day. And I, and I think you were saying before about the, the reception manager talking about actually different types of book on the day because it's now the complexity that we've got that used to be just GPs. So it used to be a system that was running, that was understanding when book on the day was working for GPs and when booking advance was working for GPs. But now we've thrown into the mix a pharmacist, a paramedic, a, 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 I forget all of the roles that you guys include. Yeah, in, lots of them. <laughs> so so there's, there, is, there, are, there is now a group of you know 10 GPs plus a group of 10 healthcare professionals yeah which lucy was stuck with trying to make some sense of yeah yeah and the problem is is that that capacity provided by those, by those healthcare professionals as we just described can only do what they can do which is a proportion of what the gps do and if if you only look at them if you like independently or together whichever way you do it, it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense because you, you you can't actually understand one set on their own you can't understand the other set on their own you, you actually have to look at them separately and together at the same time yeah so you're actually having to understand quite a now very complex demand and capacity model so that shifted away from a single person, for, so from a GP or doing book on the day to book on advance, to mental health problems, uh, minor injury problems, uh, pharmacy problems, um, and then minus all of that, and then what's left. And then each of those is book on the day and book in advance. Yeah. And then you've got nurses and HCAs, which now are a bit crossing over as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, bit of everything. So what we're now, I think, and the reason why this becomes more and more challenging is because, in effect, you've just created all of this complexity. And that complexity is made up of that interdependence then. And that interdependence relates to the roles in which people do, what they can do, but then the leave of everybody. Because you're then having to cross-reference the leave across roles. Mm. Because now it's no longer that it's just the GPs who are doing their own thing. Actually, you need to cross-reference against the leave rules. But the problem is, is that the current leave rules that you have aren't actually capable of managing it. No. 
So the current leave rules that are set out in the template, which says about three GPs being off at the same time and two other practitioners being off at the same time, actually doesn't encompass no. the, the need to respond to the reception manager's problem. Because that doesn't tell you about mental health issues. That doesn't tell you about how much you've got left for the pharmacist or the so yeah. you you find yourself in this scenario where actually nobody knows. Yeah. And it's only going to get more complicated. <laughs> so what we what we've got to try and do is actually then uncomplicate it. Mm. So what we've so we're we're currently in this in in this um and it, and it and it's actually chaos so there's a there's a there's a framework actually it's called Kenevin framework that talks about sort of system change and about where where you are and, and about things how they move around that and you start off with a simple scenario and then a simple scenario becomes a complicated scenario um, and a complicated scenario can be managed by somebody who's good at doing it and then you get into complexity which is then multiple kind of complicated things, which becomes even more difficult. Mm. But where you're now sitting is, is in the middle, which is which is chaos. And it sounds a bit dramatic, but it is chaos because the problem when you're in that scenario is nobody knows. And what you're doing is, is exactly what you just described on that day with you and Nina talking about it. You're making instant decisions based on nothing. Mm. So you're making instant decisions based on nobody knowing but we've just got to make a decision and and that's where the chaos sits which feels really uncomfortable and mm. um, because you, you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're basing that on so that decision that you just made i mean it might be right might be wrong who knows who knows afterwards whether it was right or wrong yeah um because are we, are we actually checking against that afterwards in order to see whether the decision that you made was the right decision or not? Well, Lucy thinks it's the wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> Lucy came back and went, there's too many people there. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't win. <laughs> so this then comes on, on to then the strategy. Yeah. yeah. So if that's the problem, so, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we've essentially established what the problem is. So yeah. the problem is we've gone from a system that was working um, that started off quite a simple system. It became complicated. It became complex. And then as you added more dimensions to it, it became chaos. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we know kind of where we are and you can kind of see that you can see how that has evolved over time yeah, yeah. to be where things are at the moment because of what has been essentially a practice getting bigger, a practice merging, more people coming together and then throw in the, then all of our additional roles. And that's that's where it really all goes wrong. I say yeah. wrong. It's right. It's wrong. It's chaos. I mean, it's stuff happens. But it, what's interesting in chaos is actually chaos finds its own stability. So it it it, it happens, you know. Yeah. So within the chaos, things are going on without control, and actually it finds a kind of strange old balance against it. And everybody's saying stuff and doing stuff, but I don't know. Somehow it happens, and somehow it just continues to happen. 
But in chaos is inefficiency. So what we're really talking about is how can we cre create a more efficient system in order to do things better? So it's an understanding then. So it's taking that chaos and now creating a system that enables you to understand the system, take that complexity, remove the complexity, make it complicated again, and put it in a place where everybody can link in together to see it and, and see what? Well, I think what we want to see is we want to see how well our system's running. Mm. So we're, what it really comes down to is, do we have the right people sitting in the right place at the right time in order to see the right patients? Um, and if we do, then the patients are going to get the right care first time round, and therefore they're going to get what they need. And that means that they're not necessarily going to represent in the system and create failure in the system. Yeah. Because otherwise what happens is a patient gets put in to see a paramedic because there's nobody else to see them. That's a mental health problem, which the paramedic isn't just dealing with. The paramedic does something which is just holding them. And actually, yeah, they yeah. come back and have another appointment afterwards anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what happens is that when the system isn't being managed well, you get constant failure. And it's understanding then how much of that failure is actually happening in the system. Making an approximation for you know what's going on understanding the failure points and then wanting to redesign things so that that failure isn't happening and i think that failure is what you're in, in essence the reception manager was talking about with the soft information so she just described the failure you know she yeah. said there's not going to be enough people in order to do the mental health issues therefore what's going to happen well either they're going to end up going to a and e uh, you know or they'll you know do something else or not respond to do or you know their condition will get worse mm. so there's a whole kind of series of stuff that might happen as a result of not providing the right kind of appointment for that person on that day which then actually creates failure for you know charter for us as primary care organizations is one part of the failure and we can kind of see some of that and that's what we're responding to but also there's the failure that's happening around us so there's the failure with that patient turning up to A&E and that failure of that patient going somewhere else. So there's the unseen failure mm. that is also happening. And the reception managers are actually picking up on that unseen failure because they, they get the they get it in the neck from the patient who says, mm -hmm. you know, you aren't able to give me. Well, I'm going to go elsewhere then. And they don't want to do that. You know, everyone wants to try and give a good service. What a good unpicking, Bill. <laughs> you've, you've unpicked it. <laughs> so it's now about sort of, well, how do we do that better? Yeah. Where do we start? <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the start for that is the plan. Yeah. And, and so what is the plan then? You know, so what is what, what, what are we actually talking about when we talk about a plan? What do you think? Uh, well, it's uh, we need clear goals. Yep. To be able to, uh, to to make sure we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, different the right steps, the right order. Yeah. The right people. Yeah. Um, the right the right 
I suppose it's what what our key, um, what we want to. What's our? Obviously, there's lots of problems. <laughs> Everyone has them, but equally, what's our priorities? I suppose. Yeah, but let's let's just get let's get get down to the the smallest kind of level of what what are we actually trying to achieve? Yeah. Because I think what we are actually trying to achieve is just what we've said. It's about the the right patient being able to have the right appointment at the right time. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it's about. Yeah, and yeah. Th there are two halves to that. So the half is of the demand, which is so what do we think our demand is of those different systems? Mm -hmm. And then what is our capacity for that? Yeah. And in effect, what we need to design and understand is that is the is that now that demand and that capacity. I think the most common term that you can get for that is a service line. Um, and what a service line describes, it's an easier one to think about it if you think about asthma reviews. You know, a service line for an asthma review is actually quite a straightforward service line. Mm. Um, so a service line for an asthma review is I have 240 asthma patients. They all require an annual asthma review. Therefore, I have a service line, which is 240, and I need to provide 240 things for them to go into. Now, some of them made DNA. Mm-hmm. And some things might happen, but, you know, so if I stick in a DNA rate of 10 percent, I've got 240 asthma reviews. I need to have put on 264 asthma reviews across the year in order to do it. Yeah. So that is my service line for asthma reviews. Now, the person doing that asthma review is maybe one or two or three people. Um, you know, generally speaking, we're talking about specialist nurses who have a, an asthma capability in order to do that review. And it might not be all of them. So you've got maybe one or two people who can do an asthma review. So you need to understand when those people are going to be available in order to provide 264 appointments across the course of the year. So that's our asthma review service line. Now, if we kind of then think through how many service lines we've got, quite a lot, really, because mm -hmm. we've got our COBD reviews, we've got our asthma. So we've got COF, which is in effect our nurse capacity for one particular group of service lines, which are actually relatively straightforward because you know how many people you've got on those disease registers and you know how many you want to apply. So therefore, you can give total numbers for that. You also know how many nurses you've got. So you've got hours, but actually what we want to know is we want to know in the user templates, so we're going to now start getting to what we, how we do this, is within their session, when would you put that on? So which weeks of the year would you want them to do asthma reviews? Because mm -hmm. actually the, the thing about asthma reviews is they can happen at any point. You've got a whole year to do them in. So you, you probably want to not plan to do them when you might not have as many people around. 
So you might plan not to do them in Christmas weeks. Yeah, yeah. And you might not plan to do them in half term weeks and you might not plan to do them summer. So if you can take minus those numbers of weeks out of the year and then ensure then you've still got 264 appointments, you can build that into the user templates of those individuals to say when they are here, they're going to be doing this and I'm going to give a bit of a margin for their leave. But then I'm also going to know when they've booked their leave, whether we've, we're, we're going to achieve it or not. So that that perspective of a, a template, and in this example, that's applied to a person because it's across a year yeah. and a group of people immediately gives you your capacity and tells you I'm going to be able to respond to my capacity. And then across the year, I can say exactly when it's going to happen. And actually, it doesn't have to be the same each week. It's not going to be quaff where I have to do the same thing all the time. I can tell you my my quaff, my asthma reviews will do this for a bit and then they'll start and then I'll do that. And so you'll be able to see the whole year. Yeah. And it doesn't matter for quaff because it's end of year, isn't it? It's not like enhanced services where it's monthly or quarterly payments. So, yeah, that's clever. But equally, so where you've just said that about monthly for quarterly payments, you know for those for those payments so that um lcs activity yeah so there's different types of lcx activity so some lcs activity you can only do as much as you've got which is like quaff yeah so you know there's a fixed amount of that's how many of that lcs activity i'm going to produce through a year so it's exactly the same as quaff mm-hmm. you know and you might choose to do more of it at different times there is some LCS activity, um, minor surgery as an example, where actually you're doing as much as you are able to put on in some respects or as much as there might be a demand for. And and you don't want to put more capacity in than the demand that you've got. So there's a different type of queuing mechanism there, which is about keeping a waiting list in effect of minor surgery at the right level and then having flexibility to put in more or less as you might see demand vary across a period of time. But if you can track that and look at historically what's gone on, you can actually start with a pretty good idea about what you want to do. Mm. Again, so the first place that you want to start with that is last year's data in order to say that's how many we think we should start with this year, keep a track of what's going on in the waiting list, and then we we can track it and we can see from that perspective of what's going on. Yeah. Now, if we then take a step then into the harder bit then, which is book on the day versus book in advance. Now, the question is, is what is all of that about, really? Now, you can do the same exercise within that. Um, And what this is about is looking at what we think should be the proportions of that that we should offer. Mm. And there's actually some national statistics around that at the moment. And the national statistics are saying that, roughly speaking, and the one that we're kind of working with at the moment is, say, 50% of our activity should be book on the day. Because that's what the GPAD data tells us we should be doing. So if you look at the GPAD data nationally, I think it's something like 47%. I've forgotten the figure now, which is the book on the day amount. Yeah. Now, I don't know, to be honest, whether that's right or wrong. Um, and I don't know whether that's correct mm-hmm. or not, but it's a starting point. Yeah, yeah. And you can shift it either way. 
So if you use that as a target, so if you use that as your reference point, then what we can do is take our total number of appointments, slice it into 50% on book on the day, and use that, if you like, as, as, a, as a new target. So moving away from your 6.2% and your book on the day current target, mm. and actually let's cr create a new methodology for what our target should be. And what that methodology is going to allow us to do is to vary things across each week of the year. Because the theory would be, actually, some of these things are quite predictable. So demand is actually quite predictable. So we know that there are less people that come in between Christmas and New Year. Um, but it doesn't feel like it. Um, and the reason why it doesn't feel like that is because we've got less people providing that. Mm. But we could, you know, start from a point of, well, let's presume that book on the day, uh, um, book on the day demand is static across the year. But then maybe should we throw in a few variations on that? So why don't we say that when we know that flu season is going to happen? So we know from national statistics, again, that flu season will generally happen in the second week of January and run through till March. Now, there may be, um, like last year, there was a strep issue yeah. that happened prior to Christmas that threw everything. And that was out of normal, you know, out of normal kind of um, uh, the normal kind of uh, patterns of what's going on. But that's not actually that unusual because that also happened in 2009 with a flu pandemic. And that also happened in a flu pandemic in, in 1990 something. So there's this. And if you look at the national statistics around about the different types of years, in effect, there are standard years that the same thing happens every year. And then thrown into that are a few exceptions. Now, those exceptions, you can start to see patterns happening. And the ICB are currently do have been doing that, looking at the trends of respiratory diagnosis rates from the clinical system in order to say when they were going to trigger us to do a respiratory hub. So the data, if you like, is there. It's being collected to understand our demand a bit better. Mm -hmm. What we need to do as, as organisations is we need to link into that as a thing. So we need to take this idea of seasonal variation of book on the day demand and apply that then to a model for 52 weeks of the year yeah and what that will be will it won't be the same for each week of the year and then against that plan of demand we need to map capacity yeah so against our capacity now the thing about capacity is capacity doesn't follow demand so take an example of, of the respiratory season so if we talk about book on the day capacity book on a day demand increasing as the respiratory season kicks off so we say that if we you know for, for want of better if we said that the first of january and we we see that starting right there we go kick up um now what's going to happen at that point well interestingly do you know what in january nobody takes leave yeah so interestingly actually we've got loads of people to deal with it so funnily enough actually by chaos theory our capacity is matching our demand. Mm. 
<laughs> now the problem happens is what happens in February half term. Because you can bet your bottom dollar if you look at your leave requests <laughs> in February half term, leave requests shoot up. Now, I don't see the respiratory rates going down at that point because they're still hitting full pelt during February and will only start to tail off through March. So the problem period isn't when the respiratory season is kicking off in January. The problem is actually when our capacity drops in a response to it. So the design that needs to be different is actually the design in the half term. And actually, we need to be very mindful about what that is. But that half term is also different to the half term, which was in October. And that half term is also different to the October, the half term in June, because we're not dealing with the same demand in those other half terms as we are in the February half term. So in effect, we've kind of got to design it from your worst point and take that time and then build out from that your modelling so that you 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 focus all of your energies into those worst periods. And then what you actually want to do is you want to transfer your flexible capacity into that time to be into the, the time when you're going to need to respond to more demand. And your flexible capacity is the things like minor surgery, yeah. routine reviews, learning disability reviews, SMI reviews. Mm. Yeah. yeah all of that are you that yeah yeah so what we've got to do is we've got to take this idea of we do have flexibility and actually the thing that we've got that's most in our control is capacity and we can do that in a few different ways so we can move clinics around and move our structure of our templates around in order to move stuff through the year but in a way that's, that actually still tells us that we've got enough capacity to do it through the year. Because we're able to look at that whole year as a block and we've said we've moved that around. But look, we've still got enough because mm. people are really fearful. What people yeah. really do yeah. not like you to do is to say, right, I'm not going to do a diabetic clinic on that, yeah. on that week. And they say you cannot possibly not do a diabetic clinic because we haven't got enough capacity for our diabetic clinics. and It's never going to work. It's never going to happen. Mm. But then if you can show them, actually, we've got a whole year planned here. Yeah. Yeah. And our year is like this. So here is January. Here is January. Right. Here is respiratory season. Right. Here's diabetic. Here's... So what we're actually doing is we're mapping out a year long plan. And that year-long plan is acknowledging both the capacity variations, which are holiday periods, half-term Easter, half-term summer, half-term Christmas. So that's our capacity variation. And then we're also going to acknowledge our demand variation. And for GP work and paramedic work, essentially that's respiratory illness. And when we come to other people like the nurse is an interesting group, because actually the biggest demand variation for nurses is vaccinations. So the thing that changes for vaccinating time is actually all the nurses transfer all of their time. Now, 
often what we do as an organization certainly what we used to do was actually well what we'll do is we'll just put on extra clinics at the weekend the whole time um because that was the only way to kind of manage a change in what was going on because we were just still doing all the same things all the time but actually what you can do is you can actually say well actually well let's just stop doing the other stuff yeah stop doing our cough reviews let's stop doing as much as we can for a six-week block put all our nursing time into vaccinations apart from the stuff that doesn't have to happen like dressings and things blood tests and things that do need to continue to happen and actually make a more profitable service because we're going to use our existing staff within in the week time in order to provide a service that makes a more profitable vaccination clinic yeah and we can double our profit yeah because you've got no overtime to pay yeah. And, it's, and it's within hours. Yeah, yeah. So you're not paying weekends. No. So if you are, if you are mindful and if you are planning ahead of time, you can you can do all of this. Mm. Um, and it's about the steps that you do to get to that plan. Yeah. Yeah, because like the minor ops one. That shouts to me because our GP does our minor ops clinic and he's very keen that his sessions are always, always on. But equally, like you say, there'll be some weeks where it would be better if you didn't have a clinic. But at least if we can say you've got this many over the year, the split up, you've got, you know, this many per quarter, there's enough spaces, then it yeah. kind of puts an end to that <laughs> conversation. The plan. And why not have two minor surgery clinics in a week when there's loads of yeah. people around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if it's in the summer period, you know, from that period of time post Easter, prior to the summer holidays, when people may or may not be on leave. But what we'll do is how about here's an interesting idea. Why don't we just put clinics in when we know we've got people to provide it? Mm. Yeah. You know, how, why don't we count how many people are going to be here or not? See if we've got enough people to respond to the demand. And then anything left over, should we use it in something that might make us some profit? Mm. So we're actually designing then into a response from our demand and capacity triggers and then being able to understand all of that. And the reason why we can do that is actually because what we're doing is we're, we start with, and the, and, the, and the starting point to this is targets, and what a target is, is a target is an agreement about a group of people coming together in order to agree to that thing. Now, the people who are going to agree to that target are the people who are involved in that service line. So the thing to do is is to separate then the different service lines that we have into the people who are responsible for those areas. And then have people who are responsible then in order to come and come to the table and give their input into setting the target. And that target then is going to be a a whole range of targets and you can start broad and you can get more and more nuanced. And I think what what I think what's going to happen is as we go through this over the years, we will get better and better and better at this sort of way of working. And it will be year by year that we will improve things. But the broadest categories you can start with is, if you like, the book on a day versus book in advance. But do that for paramedics and pharmacists and GPs. 
Okay, so yeah, we create, yeah, split it up. So we create a target for each of those groups. Now, what those targets are is saying that actually, if, if, one, if one of those groups isn't there, essentially that's going to have to be taken up by the GPs. So that target is relating to that target. So those targets together is what's needed in order to acknowledge what our demand and capacity target is as a whole, because we're saying if you're not here, somebody else has to do that. Now, at the moment, what we kind of uncovered is that there's not really a very good design currently about the days of the week that the HCPs are working. Because mm. you have particular days when there is loads of them and particular days when there's hardly any of them. And it's only by starting to kind of unpick that a bit, you start to sort of see these issues, which means that when leave comes to play on particular weeks, you can see how all of that compounds together to really give quite a nightmare situation because there was none of them in the first place to start with. And then you're adding leave on the GPs. Yeah. So actually, you can see that a Tuesday in the middle of that month when that happens. Oh, that's why. So what this gives an opportunity to is over time is actually changing people's job plans. Yeah. So what the what the ultimate goal of this is to create visibility um, of the issues that you've highlighted that were those feelings and um, absolutely relevant and actual you know vital. And the key thing actually is to listen to those people who've got those feelings and then yeah. and then understand what it is that's creating that feeling. And find the target that tells us what that feeling related to. Because actually that, that's our key into this, our key into our pressure points and the, and the ones that we should focus on first are the ones that people are currently live in their heads as to what the problem areas are. So the first targets we actually want to go and look for are all the ones that people are moaning about. Book on the day, mental health. You know, those are our first group of targets. And then we can move on to our other nursing and probably the things that aren't actually bothering people too much at the moment. But they're all there as an opportunity waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the place that, that, what, that what that target does is that target then, once we've created the target, which is an agreement between people about what it is we're trying to achieve on any given day, on any given week in the year, and think about what we're doing this year for next year. So think about what happened on the Tuesday after, uh, you know, what day was Christmas this year? It was uh, Monday and then Tuesday was bank holiday. So what happened on Wednesday? You know, and actually we know that Christmas next year then is going to be on Tuesday with Boxing Day on Wednesday. So therefore, what does Thursday and Friday need to be next year? And then also then what's a normal looking week supposed to be for those targets? Now, once we've got that idea about that target, what we do is with that target now is we take that target and we design a template which doesn't have people's names in it. It's a template, which is what our organizational template is. And that organizational template you then build to make the target. So you've got a starting point about what you're trying to achieve. So then, like you said before, at the beginning of this, it was a question of who agreed on the on the whether was that right or not. Well, we've all now agreed what the target is mm -hmm. and we've created a template which should match that target as close as possible, maybe with a bit of additional capacity in order to say how much sickness might happen, different ways of kind of managing that. But that template is then designed and that template is actually sitting in that week next year already. 
Yeah. Now, because it's sitting there, it also tells us how many people can be on leave and still create that template. So the capacity now starts to be the other way around because we've created our template. That template is sitting in the future and that future template is then telling people who can be on leave. And when you reach a trigger point that there's too many people on leave in order to create that template, you have to make a decision. Now, either you make a decision of you say people can't be on leave then because mm-hmm. we're not going to reach our, our we're not going to reach our target. Or you say, well, we'll have to put a locum in then. But but you've got a place. You know, you've got that 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 reference point, which you've decided ahead of time. You've yeah. made a plan. But do you know what actually happens is that instead of you needing to book locums, what actually happens is because you're giving all the people who are booking their leave visibility of that target which tells you when you're going to reach that target or not. Do you know what? They decide between themselves not to take leave on that day because they know that they're going to stuff up the rest of their team because it means that I'm putting people under pressure because I know that that's a target because that's how many people are going to, that's the amount of work that needs to happen. So actually I I won't. Okay. This time guys, I'll, I'll take it this time. I'll, you have it this time and I'll do it next time. Yeah. 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 And I think things will, that will definitely have a knock on it effect i think like people taking leave in the last two weeks of the summer holidays even they don't have school age kids anymore and things like that that will probably shift things you know Mm. decisions like that also just by turning on its head like that i think a lot of leave taking particularly far in the future is probably fairly arbitrary in a sense of when you pick your dates and you decide but if you can see that target in the future, it 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 won't be so arbitrary as a member of a team. Yeah. What you're what you're actually trying to do in that in that point is you're trying to put that information in somebody at the point in which they're having a conversation with their partner about when they're going to take their holiday and about yeah. which flights they're going to book yeah. and about the conversation they're having with their family about um, right who's going for Christmas this year. Oh, are we going to do? It? Oh, I don't want to. Oh, oh, I'll tell you, I really don't want to go to the in-laws this year. I'm going to work. <laughs> so there's my excuse. So you know, there are there are all these opportunities of you know putting in people's minds the 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 the, 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 the thing ahead of time that says, I know if we do it that way. But all you and it and what this is is this is the principle of nudging. Mm. So this is about behavioural nudging, which is a well-recognised behavioural mm-hmm. kind of methodology, which is giving information to people in a slightly sneaky, but yeah. in a way that gives them information to make a change that they might have done anyway. So it's not you don't, it's not a big thing that you're getting them to do. You're just nudging them. You know, you just yeah. you know, here's a little bit of information that says, well, well. All right, I won't do that week. I'll do the next week because there's just a little. There's just enough information there in front of me to say, "Oh, all right, I won't do that." Because the problem is, is once they've done it, it's too late. So once they've booked that flight, once they've yeah. made that decision, once they've had that conversation, and once they've booked that in, and often it's not a flight. Often it's just you've committed. You've said to somebody, "Yes, I will go to that thing. Yes, I will do that thing." Then it's then then it's cemented, and and to go back on that is hard. Whereas if you get them before that, mm. just before you book your holiday, just before when you have that first conversation and you can see, then that I think that's the that's the real place we have, you know, the, the a massive potential 
to actually create visibility for all of these things, create that a sense of communication, like you're saying about a one place where anybody can go at any point to look at the next year yeah. that can show you the data, that can show you the information that can really just nudge people into doing slightly different things and yeah. help us to plan things around it. Yeah. So that's a strategy then. Do you think that helps in terms of what we are trying to then get yeah. towards? Yeah, yeah, the end point. <laughs> yeah. And then we can then kind of, you know, I think work our way through then the the process to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and in effect, the problem of where we've been at the moment is stuck in, if you like, the real, the nitty gritty, dirty detail of how yeah, do we replicate yeah. what's already been happening? Yeah. Um, and that's needed because in order to get to do something, you have to have a starting point. And the starting point is actually where you were. Yeah. Now, the problem is, is where you were is chaos. Mm. So in effect, we've been trying to replicate chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's quite hard to replicate chaos. So as a as a in the process of replicating chaos, what we've actually done is we've had to standardize a good amount already. Yeah. So out of the so we're, we're, we've actually already taken huge leaps forward in coming out of the chaos because we've created some standard templates that are now options that can choose. Yeah. We've created standard variations that say what happened with supervision. We've created standard organizational templates that are setting out a particular week. We've created standard user templates that are starting to understand what each person is doing. And those actually have been huge leaps forward already. And I don't think it's to underestimate, I think, how how much has been achieved already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that process Meetings. of getting to this point. Yeah, yeah. Meetings. no, Yeah, no, not at all, I think. Um, if anything it just means it's in all in one central place rather than like the kind of soft data which is and there's so much of it and it's so complicated for so many people so it's it's a it's a big step forward really and i think that what because what that gives us now is is the is the starting point so the lift off if you like mm -hmm. to be able to now engage with it with this yeah because we've now got our first we've got our first templates yeah yeah We've got our first data set. Yeah. So we've got our first data set of what's contained in that template. Yeah, yeah, what we actually have. Yeah. So now once we've got that data set, we've got that template, we can start to now appreciate that template and look at that template and look at how we want to modify that template across different weeks of the year and around about now starting to look at some data relating to, well, when is our leave being taken? What proportion is being taken at different times? What does that leave us with? And therefore, how are we going to adjust our template for that week? Mm -hmm. And we can start with a week for half term, and we can start with a week for Christmas, and we can have our normal week, and then we can do a summer week. And we can start with those as our first kind of throw at it and, and see what that looks like. And actually, it's really interesting how it's only once you've done it once all of suddenly things start to kind of whir in people's heads because they suddenly start to kind of like, you know, have, as we have been, as you talk through it, you suddenly kind of the, the, the things that have been sitting there in the background all start to kind of come out. Mm. And because they start to come out, people can challenge each other about it. Yeah. So the reception manager can challenge Nina, you know, Nina can challenge 
Lucy, you know, that there is a there is a potential there for a discussion point, which should be challenging. You know, it mm. should be, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm seeing it from this perspective. I'm seeing it from this perspective. So I think this. No, you're wrong. You know, <laughs> this is what it's about because this is happening. So it gives that place that you can thrash out those challenges then because you, you it's visible and and the yeah. things that people have been talking about stop being just a feeling and a hurt that you're experiencing and actually you're creating a, a point a data set a target a thing that people can argue over and then you, you can come to a resolution on that argument because everybody's then got to the point where we've agreed okay that is the plan and then the best thing is you run it and then you see whether who was right <laughs> So that's, I think, where we'll go to. Yeah. So at the moment where we've got to and very helpful with your summary of the last um, meeting for Zara is, is where we're, we're now essentially wanting to get that first data yeah. set in, which is basically her running a month. Yeah. So it's just all about getting that month in in order to see whether the whether we've got the kind of the, the mechanism so it's, it's really testing that mechanism that the the way in which we set those templates out, the way in which they're going to be transferred into system one, the way in that's working, just to make sure that's right. Because mm -hmm. if that's right, then we're, we're set. Because yeah. then we're okay. set that that will run. And then that principle of being able to run it in that manner works. And then we do that first month. And then the first thing we do is then take that first month and then we look at the data from it. Yeah. And then we take that data and then we use that to start to do our target setting. And then we using that target setting and then we can start to use your apex data um, as the other data sets to bring into it. And also then, as you were saying, the reception telephone data. Yeah. And then we can look at what data sets we're missing. Because what, what you suddenly start to realize is, oh, oh, that's the thing I needed to count yeah yeah oh that's that's the missing oh oh we haven't we haven't got that bit oh but i know now where to go to get that mm. so it's producing that visibility on those data sets that then starts to open things up for you and then you get better at better at actually creating the data sets because the data sets become a self-fulfilling thing and then the data set within tempo becomes its own data set that becomes you know the most powerful data set because it's the reference data set um, and then the other data sets are all feeding into it. So we get to this point where we're kind of sitting in the center of absorbing information and then utilizing all of that to then start to then create what is complex, but it's mm. no longer chaos. And um, because everybody has a place to find their way into it and input into it. But we can have 50 people inputting into it yeah. because we can all go at our own point and our own target and our own thing and say, oh, actually, I think oh, all right, then, well, that fits in here. And if we do that, then that makes that adjustment. So it's, it starts to create that place where we can all kind of input in it. Yeah. What's the Apex data, sorry? So I don't know if you guys have been using your Apex as yet. So that's Apex, it's, which is the... It's appointment mapping. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, go on. Um, I think we probably have. It's just probably because I've been off... Yeah. Um, I've probably probably missed it. Um and I think I can speak to Leanne about that, so that's fine. So the thing about so what we so we we did start to in, in effect build our own version of Apex in Tempo, but decided because Apex were doing it that we wouldn't which I think is probably the right you know, it's the right decision mm -hmm. to do. Um but what 
so what we do in effect is take so like in the same way that we've done with system one where we've we've kind of mapped and we've echoed so we've got a mirroring of what's going on in in system one into tempo now what apex is is actually a sorted version of the appointment data yeah that's in system one so yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's grouped so what it enables you to do is to group it into service lines yeah so what apex is able to do is what system one doesn't do which is enable you to group together different types of appointments in order to then create a target yeah, yeah. So you can use Apex to show your target. Yeah. So you, in essence, with the, the setting up and why Apex is really complicated is because you have to do that thought process that we've just been through. Now, they've actually done the hard work for quite a lot of this, thankfully. So it means that you can use Apex because, in effect, what they've done is that they've pre-designed a whole load of, of service lines. So in a, that's what Apex, in effect, is. It's historic data put together in a service line for you. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. That then gives you your target. So then all we do is we take that information from historic data in Apex to create our target, take our target, and then make our template. Yeah. So it's a nice kind of loop that you create with using that data set in order to find your target. But first of all, you've got to know what your target. Now, Apex is quite good at helping you to think through what targets I need because they've been doing this and they've, they're very good at it, actually. You know, they've done a lot mm -hmm. of stuff with it. What they've actually done is they've created this ability to kind of think through your service lines. You still, though, have to put quite a lot of input into it in order to match the way you work because not everybody's the same. So different people use different people for different service lines where yeah. one person might use a nurse instead of a GP or a paramedic instead of a nurse or instead of... A... So it, it, it's that sifting and sorting part of it that you need to do there. But the good thing is that's exactly the same as what we're doing in Tempo. So the good thing is, is that principle of service line design is actually what this is all about in, in, all, in both systems. So Tempo becomes the design for the future with the viability and also the cost effectiveness, but we'll, we'll come on to cost in a whole nother yeah. discussion. But so there's, so, so Tempo is all about the future and all about the plan for the future, which helps you to get people in the right place because it's planning the future. Whereas Apex is all about the past and system one, if you like, is the present. Yeah. So system one is what's going on right now. Tempo is your design for the future and your plan. Apex is telling you what you did do. So you've now got a full loop that enables you to use the past to plan the future and then run the present. Yeah. Um, and Tempo, if you like, is right up to the point of the present because it's actually managing sickness and managing leave and managing all of those parts right up to the point, if you like, just at the point when it happens. And that's actually when system one is kind of doing its thing. Mm -hmm. But system one is also obviously the place where the patients interact with it. So, the, you know, the whole need for system one is so patients can book an appointment and record what was going on. Yeah. And then that data comes out. You know, that time passes into Apex. Take that data. Best time to do that. The time that's just gone past for this time of year. So, you know, you want to understand that. But equally for QAF data, you want to understand the whole of the last year. So you want to look at 
the whole of 22-23 yeah. in order to say what I need to do for 23-24. And they can do that for minor surgery. They can do that for RCSs. So you can get that data then, which gives us the target then to work at in order to then start to create our templates and those templates being the organizational template, which is a week by week. And then I'd think about the user templates really being your design for the year. Because that's what they are. Mm -hmm. So the, the protected sessions, what we've termed protected sessions in the user templates is actually the annual plan. Because if you think about it, they're the things that people do across a year. We know it's not going to happen on particular weeks because we can tell which we can tell the system which weeks they're going to be included yeah, or yeah, not. Yeah. And we're going to include leave in that. So the the summing of the protected sessions in user templates is what our annual target is. The flexible sessions is what creates your capacity to manage your weekly targets. Yeah. So that's what those two things are. So the design in Tempo is actually set out to do that. And the idea is that those protected sessions shift in capacity into flexible sessions in particular weeks yeah so you could, so we we've got this sudden nuance that we can really use as a planning tool that allows you to 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 look at this seasonal multidisciplinary yeah. workforce planning yeah yeah because you're suddenly seeing all of that and what starts off as lots of little things suddenly comes together to create a dynamic plan that is planned but not fixed mm. so it gives you the capability to adjust and manipulate and change right the way through you know right you know you set this out a year and a, it, it can change you know mm. and the thing is is we can change that design at any point and it doesn't have to remain that so our first throw at it may well not be our first throw and, and it may not be right because it's so you know as we gain more people as we gain more staff as we change our roles we might want to change our template what we set out a year ahead six months ahead oh you know so and so's left this has yeah, happened yeah. actually let's just adjust that template a bit but we still know what our target is yeah and that's the important thing is because we know what our target is our templates can manipulate around the target to still reach the target but the target remains the fixed thing so the target is the key to kind of setting all of this out in order to then track back against it. I realize team, teams is going to be a very important focus for the targets, isn't it? So teams are what kind of enable us to do that service line across different roles. And that's moving away from thinking about just GPs, paramedics and pharmacists or nurses hcas and thinking about a service line which is multidisciplinary and that's why you need a team that can be multidisciplinary that you can set budgets you can do leave 
together as that team together. Okay, yeah. So the importance of a team, the team is not the same as a role-based. Um, so the sessions are role-based because that means that only GPs can do that work. Yeah, yeah. But the team is a construct that enables you to do a makeup of a variety of people to do book on the day work, a variety of people to bring leave in, in line with one another who may not be the same role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teams have those counts, those capacity counts, um, including protected and um, flexible sessions and the leave counts all in one place um, for each week of the year. So the team is the place where you can really visualise at the moment all of this planning, <clears throat> capacity and planning. And there's one other construct that Teams allows you to do, which you currently aren't doing, but it's currently what we've been trying to do, and that's continuity. So what Teams enable you to do is to take a whole group of people and split them. Is this the RAG thing? Not RAG as okay. this. So RAG is another construct that helps with this. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so if you so Charter, you know, Charter was a ten thousand practice, I think, ten thousand patient practice. However, many years ago, probably you know, it would have been smaller than that originally. Yeah, it's yeah, now yeah. it's now thirty thousand. Now, continuity kind of happens essentially not by design because patients choose who they want to go and see um usual gp is the construct that helps to kind of help some of that yeah and usual gp is a construct to try and get the same person seeing the same doctor now usual gp works to a point but continuity as a metric we know decreases the larger the practice gets yeah um, and, and that happens because there's more potential for you to go and if your usual GP isn't available to go and see somebody else. And if you go and see somebody else, you're disrupting the continuity of that other per person because they're not seeing the one that they w were going to see. So what happens is the bigger and bigger the practice is, the, the worse and the worse the continuity gets. Mm -hmm. So what teams can enable you to do is to create a small practice in a big practice. So teams can be a construct, which is in, es in essence what we've done um, by default in Foundry, which is we retained our 10,000 practices in a 30,000 organisation. So we've retained three small practices in one big practice. And that's the other ability for teams is, is to actually pull apart your team into us into smaller groups if you want to try and retain continuity um to split things in mm. effect and then create leave rules and so do that whole thing that we've been talking about in effect do smaller teams within a bigger organization and that can improve continuity and it can improve actually the, the way in which staff feel about working in your organization because they now rather than feeling like they've got no control and they're part of this huge team they feel okay i'm part of this smaller team and we've yeah. got a bit more control because it's a bit more manageable now rag is 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 the way in which we use the segmentation of patients to interact with that yeah yeah um 
because the red go to their teams with first priority, the ambers go to their teams with second priority, and the green get seen by whoever. So RAG is a separate kind of thing that latches on to the team's construct to make sense of it. So that's the question is, and, and in effect, that's a strategic decision to be made, which is, and, and I kind of, I posed this about a year ago, I think, probably at the very beginning when I posed this kind of question. I don't know, to be honest, know whether anybody's really retained that, which was, I said, well, there is a potential for Encharta. And I think, what did we talk about? Was there an upstairs and a downstairs? Yeah, there is. I think I think that's what they when I started to talk about splitting and, you know, continuity between teams. I think they said at at that point about upstairs and downstairs. And that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, is do you come back to that construct? And it's actually not an easy thing to to then put in once you've once you've not been doing it. Right. Yeah. But, But we had to do this as well, which is because you actually have to. Um, take the days of the week that all the GPs are working and work out which teams they should be made up of because of the days of the week that they work as opposed to who their friends are yeah yeah like a logic puzzle (laughs) yeah now we did we did a lot of disruptive work at Foundry to get to that point when we took what were three practices with one with one branch site made it into three practices and then re-split and remove and move the GPs around yeah so I changed my team from School Hill to Anchorfield um, in order to help with that process. And it's taken a couple of years, to be honest, to settle down. And, it, and so this is a really big kind of long term strategic yeah, decision yeah. that needs to be made. Um, but the ability is, is for you to kind of see the data within that. So yeah. it's once you've got things up and running on tempo and we've got all of the job plans in place is what. It, it, that's what can give you open up to the possibility because you can start to unpick it you can see it you can you know taste it i was going to say but you know you can kind of you can kind of you can get the impression of things because it's there it's a graph it's a set of tables it's 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 numbers and it shows you where things are and and if you want to do something different and if there is an appetite to do that which to be honest i think they're probably generally is to try and do things with better continuity to maintain your patient group because gps are happier if they're seeing the patients they know then actually there is a way of going through this but it's showing them the pain points that are going to happen as a result of it yeah yeah i don't know um i think that struggling with enough of a decision on to turning off online booking and how we how we move forward in that not that i've been directly involved with those conversations but i think just getting that um kind of moved forward seems to be tricky enough at the um at this point and i know even nina's having trouble getting to people to work on fridays and stuff like that so i'm not yeah. sure whether I'm not, I'm not sure whether she'd be up for that challenge uh quite yet but i will meant i'll you know i'm I'll catch up with her and mention that I I think it isn't you know it's about having the it's about you need to have enough of a motivation to make a change yeah people have got to see enough pain in order to go through 
a change yeah. process yeah and yeah. and the question is is when does it get to that pain point yeah and, and part yeah. of that is showing people the data you know and showing yeah, people yeah. and certainly having spoken with you know the gps at, at, at charter they all are kind of asking for something different you know they don't know what that different is no you know, they're, they're asking for something and i think this is all about showing the art of the possible yeah and, yeah, and having the data to show it because that's often what's missing and to be honest that's what we really didn't have when we went through all these changes we didn't have tempo yeah so we we had all of this as a kind of an mvp on a spreadsheet which was you know um, my google sheets which you know were got more and more complicated and they they kind of did a bit and then they did you know they did it not not bad but how i wish you know i had had what we've got now to go through that process because it, it gives visibility on on what outcomes are going to be and that's what people are really after you're wanting to de-risk a situation yeah you're wanting to say well if you do this this is what happens if yeah, you do this yeah. this is what happens so yeah. it's only when you can show those outcomes of that change that you can bring people along with you and where you where people get very defensive and they shut down is where you can't give them the information that shows them what the potential outcome is yeah yeah so so the default is we won't do anything yeah so the default is you stay as you are and things just happen because we don't have the data to show us why that's going to be better yeah yeah and i think like you say is that when you're kind of just got a, a spreadsheet trying to show it and you, you, there's only so much you can do so I, I think actually once we're kind of the partners can see tempo and we like you say we can put different scenarios into it to show things I think then that will give people confidence with any changes in the future I think yeah so hopefully that's been useful um, yeah that's really useful I suppose for me it's just where do I Am I best starting with looking at the weeks and getting the data of the his, the historical side of things first, while Sarah's doing her bit? Yeah, so I think that probably the first point to do then is, like we say, is probably to get engaged with Apex. Um, yeah, yeah, we've got, yeah. Um, James is our GP here, who's kind of our expert on Apex. Joe, you've done a fair amount with Apex as well, but it's probably worth having a bit of James's input as as well around the kind of the Apex. Yes, I've done some service line design and some um, data uh, analysis in Apex. Okay. Not as much as James. So it probably be worthwhile you having a conversation with with James and and Joe around about um, getting Apex set up properly. Yeah. Because then what Apex will do is will pop out the targets for us. Um, And then once we've got those Apex targets, we would hopefully by that point have had tempo running for a you know a month or more um and then we'll have our own our own data set from tempo yeah so we'll have a data set from tempo and we'll have a data set from apex which is in effect the data set from system one yeah and then we can use those two data sets together in order to then look at the then the future template design because at the moment we've got kind of got a static template design which you know zara's done an amazing job in kind of putting that together and 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 working through that kind of static um that static plan which comes from lucy's spreadsheet but this is then about then starting to create that dynamic plan yeah and and so once we've got the first you know month or two and the apex data i think we'll we'll then be able to 
you know start to do that that lifting off into yeah. those more complex things the interesting thing is is our there's so much information that's held within people's heads that already works that in effect all we're trying to do is just describe what's already happening yeah <laughs> so you know at the end of the day that's all first of all we're doing is is just flushing that out to get it down onto design that enables you to see it before you make any changes because actually you know things are working you know they are you know the world hasn't fallen apart that you know patients are getting seen you know people are taking holidays it's happening yeah yeah you know it might not it's a bit of chaos but you know within the chaos (laughs) yeah stuff's happening so it's not like everything has to change it's not like everything has to be different it's more like let's understand it let's model it and then let's look for those opportunities in order to create efficiencies yeah 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 no it sounds good and the apex thing it might be that we're actually doing something already um and it might just be that i haven't heard it mentioned since i've been back so Mm. um i will check in and well, you go and check that. So, who who was who did you say that's that's got that? Um, that's... um so we've got um Leanne is kind of our PCN oh, yeah, yeah. IC, yeah. IT um lead. So she if she should know if if we are, I think. Yeah. Well, if you do that then, and then come back to me, and I'll put you in contact with them with James, and then yeah. you can maybe have a chat through because it's probably as, as with all these things it's good to have a bit of an understanding before you delve too deeply into it because yeah. then you're, you're you're doing it in a in a better way that's more efficient that means you get the data out more quickly rather than spending your time flailing around with it a bit yeah it's always equally useful to see how someone else is yeah using it and then what how we can use it yeah that would be um yeah i can do that i'm actually meeting with leanne in a minute so i can um i can mention Great. it to her okay that's perfect um, and then yes, and then we'll catch up with Zara then on Tuesday. See how yeah. that's all gone. Yeah, yeah. And see if there's any things that we need to pick up on that might have not gone so well. Yeah, that's good. Um, is it worth me trying to grab the putting it in my diary to try and get the leave data as well for the last June twelve months? Would probably actually we've been using Tempo, haven't we? We've been using exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so we've got so, kind of so... nine months. Yeah, so that's the point, really, is that we yeah, we stop yeah, we're needing really to go. And, that we bit. don't need to go and find that data. No, no, because it's there. But when we imported it, it wasn't only it was it included legacy of historical oh, okay, stuff. So it, um, I think you know from the first of April last year. So um, quite yeah, actually going back further than that. So you'll have a year's worth of leave data. Perfect. That's good. Something I can tick off my list. Yeah, and then it's sickness is the other data that i'm not sure we that's that's not imported from um no it's team not imported um it can be caught through the time off module in tempo um as a form of time off um but the other place where it's caught is in rotors so it's, it's it comes in from two different dimensions in tempo so it there may be half of that or a part of that that's caught in the time off section but it won't be a complete data set until you're rotoring and capturing it like that so that that's the that's the um where to catch the catch that data set around the sickness is through the two places within tempo so one is in the same way that you record annual leave yeah then, yeah. You, then you request a sickness period of time yeah so that that's for planned sickness 
yeah when you're off for you know a week or yeah, two and, yeah yeah and, and you know we went through all of this stuff of all of the different varieties of that and yeah, trying to get it yeah. sim- trying to get the same <laughs> yeah. as what's in team net in order to, to be comfortable that everyone's doing the same thing again so that's that's the first one and then the second one is that in any of the sessions in tempo then you can assign that session as a six session so yeah. you just click on it click the thermometer button and yeah. then then that records that as sickness yeah, and so yeah. that's for that's for ad hoc sickness. Yeah. So the aim is then that you create this full data set then of both planned and ad hoc sickness. Yeah. That then becomes the data set that adds to the leave. And then you have the full absence data set alongside then yeah. the present data set. And we've actually got part of our kind of tempo meetings is a thing to kind of map out and look at like whose responsibility to, is it to add that on the day sick sickness and you know that those kind of little bits to make we need to make sure the data is as accurate as possible and I have a slight concern because we've got a big team that things will kind of get missed along the way but that's something we're going to map out so in terms of the historical sick data mm. do, you, do you need me to grab that off and input it or anything like that just to help from the what do you think Joe is, is, is there a potential to put that as a separate data set for the future well, it would work if you took historical data from another system, a spreadsheet or anywhere, and manually inputted it into Tempo as if it had happened in real time. It would just be a job for somebody, but it, that would work. And it's the same with rotoring. Um, you can put sickness in once that moment has passed as well, but you'd still have to have those events in the rotor to be able to mark them as sick. Yeah. So that bit's not going to work. But Using the time off part, you could theoretically put all sickness in through there because ultimately Tempo doesn't really care what channel that sickness is captured in. It I mean, take, the, takes it from both. It's just what's appropriate to operational people when, they, when they're running day to day, where to put it. Yeah. Because I mean, like way I've, I said, one part is planned and the other part is ad hoc. The way I've kind of approached it, to be honest, is, is, is not to get too worried about it. Um, and actually rather than spending a whole load of time going in the past into where we previously recorded sickness Mm. is just to give a rough approximation for what we think it happens because it's it's variable and you know and then and then as you run as you run it then you get an accurate data set so rather than spending a whole load of time transferring stuff which gets more and more complicated mm. everybody argues over which bit was actually right or who recorded mm. it right and did we miss that you know the potential for that to be an incorrect data set is so mm. high that it actually means it's often not worth it okay and if you think about the insights that you probably get from it and the imp- impact they would have on your planning they're going to be in the, in the first instance probably fairly small impact compared to something like leave so all yeah. that work, all that work for us, a small benefit, whereas you could probably just take a good guess at it and that would probably work almost as well. Yeah, in yeah, instance. rather than input every single day. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll kind of look at it as a whole and just... One yeah, thing that it can be use, more useful for is um, Bradford scoring, but um, that's then a sort of an organisational decision around um, doing that at a kind of HR level where you're trying to then use sickness data to create Bradford scores um and it does that as well so tempo does that bradford scoring and um um, that's almost like a another reason to have sickness data in there so for the insights into capacity but also bradford scoring 
but i think there's there's something else to maybe talk about on, on, on another day is um is about um what to do when somebody's sick mm. so it's about the the way in which you can look at demand and capacity in order to manage sickness in a planned way yeah so that you know there is a there is a, a standard approach yeah that when x type of person goes off we know that that's going to happen therefore we know that this process is in place that yeah. manages what goes on with those appointments yeah and, yeah and in effect that's all about how you can shift appointments in time yeah and the principle of how you can how you can do that and we can talk you through sort of some interesting developments we've been creating in that to create a, a much more standard process that helps everybody yeah, it sounds really interesting.